Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome, everyone, to the Tomahawk Take Podcast, episode 16, and uh, the return of the uh, regular Tomahawk Take Podcast crew. Uh, I am your host, Jake Mastriani, and along with us uh, is Alan. Good day. And Fred. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And gentlemen, we have uh, not gotten together in a while since the, the shutdown. Uh, just to be quite honest with you, there's not really much to, to talk about, hasn't been much going on. And it's just been a, a little depressing, really, even to, to kind of think about not just with baseball in general, but just with everything that's going on in our, our country. But it, it seems like things are starting to pick back up a little bit. Uh, we've gotten some good news this week as far as uh, baseball uh, possibly restarting. And uh, it seems like the country is trying to get back to, to normal and and hopefully the virus uh, pandemic situation is, is slowing down um, as well. I'll be honest, I don't really pay attention to that stuff quite as much because, again, just a little depressing. But uh, pray and certainly hope that all that is is calming down a little bit. But uh, again, we have been without baseball for, for well over a month now. And uh, Alan, just kind of get into it. Um, you know, what What have you been up to for the last couple of months here with, with no sports and other than trying to find something to, to write about every day? Well, I probably have been one of the lucky ones, I guess, because I'm still working. I'm working from home. My company set me up with a, another computer and we're able to get get a bunch of stuff done. And honestly, it's been pretty good because I'm probably a little more productive at home than I normally am at the office. Cause for one thing, I don't have to drive an hour and a half each day. So that's, that's been pretty good. The downtime though has been kind of odd and I've been looking for things to do in, in the evenings and not finding a lot because uh, I've seen everything on TV that I want to see and a little bit of gaming here and there and, and writing. And, you know, honestly, it, we're about out of, out of ideas on writing anyway. So it, it's been hit and miss a little bit, but we've been trying to just make do and, and bide the time, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely feeling the, the pain now of not having anything to watch and kind of catching up on everything. And Fred, I know we were talking beforehand, you, you've, you've gone through just about everything that uh, binge watched all the things that you all the shows that you love. Uh, what else you've been doing during this time? I know you've been writing some historical articles as well, but uh, anything else you've been doing to kind of pass the time? Well, I, you know, I had some calls to help people with things I can't really discuss, but but uh, the um, mostly I've been binge watching stuff, trying to um, keep people I, people I know from going out of their tiny little minds uh, and uh, trying to stay out of trouble. We've got some factions on both sides of this argument of whether we should open or whether we should close around. And uh, I try to avoid the news. Like you know, I said, I'll pay attention to that when they start showing how many people and they want to count toes and noses and I just ignore that. I'll walk out the room, take the dog for a walk or something. Uh, but you know, mostly reading uh, and, and uh, like I said, binge watching and trying to stay out of trouble, which uh, so far I've been successful, I think. 
Well, that's quite surprising. Um, yes, but, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, myself, I I honestly, the, the day the shutdown happened was the same day that MLB The Show came out, the video game on PlayStation, and I've never played it before in my life. Um, but once, once the season shut down, I knew we were going to be in, uh, for a while. I went out and broke down and brought a, bought a PlayStation and bought MLB the show. And I'll be honest, I've been, I've been hooked ever since that day. And I, I think I've played it pretty much every day since then. So that's really kind of helped me get through this downtime, this shutdown, uh, playing, playing baseball. Um, you know, it even kind of hurts to watch old baseball games. I watched some of the replays. I watched, you know, the 1995 World Series replay. That was fun. But even just watching old games just makes me miss <laughs> miss the game even more, um, if that if that makes any sense. So uh, definitely been a struggle. But hopefully there is some some good news on the horizon, and that's mostly what we want to talk about today. Is the report that teams are are kind of gearing up. Uh, they're telling players to start. Uh, gearing up for a possible return in June. The date being reported by uh, Trevor Plouffe uh, originally on Twitter was June 10th, possible date for spring training started, starting and uh, possibly starting the season on July 1st or uh, possibly sometime uh, at the beginning of July. Uh, and when I first saw that you know, tweet by Trevor Plouffe, you know, he took a lot of criticism for it, but to me it made a lot of sense. That's kind of what we've been hearing over the past several months, target date they would like to have um, and what makes sense. And, you know, it, it did make a lot of sense to me. So I, you know, obviously didn't quite want to report on it because, you know, I wanted to hear from another uh, another source or two, which happened, um, I believe, yesterday. And today we had some more some other sources kind of report that as well to kind of verify it. Um, I know Alan wrote something on it the other day and I wrote something on it today as well. Fred, I'll go to you first. What are, what are your thoughts on this proposed uh, restart? I know we don't have a ton of details on exactly what it will look like, but does that kind of make sense to you, kind of what you were expecting to hear? Well, you know, I, the problem with the restart is that uh, you have so many teams in California that you're not going to be able to play in California. You're just not. California is uh, in, in such bad shape that I don't expect their curve to flatten for a while. And there's a multitude of reasons for that, uh, but there's something we can do about that. Without California, you're you're in really in a bad 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 shape, particularly if you want to use um, regular uh, baseball fields, regular home fields for that. And getting back and forth to Canada would be a problem as well. So you know, and I'm not sure about New York either. But in any case, so you're leap you're left with a position of having to play in in places where a you won't get rained out. Uh, because you don't have time to make stuff up, and uh, B has the capacity to hold, you know, multiple teams. You know, you're probably looking at you know, shrinking it down to you know, southern states, maybe, and uh, uh, and of course, let's see if Florida can get gets their act together, uh, and places where you have um, enclosed ballparks. I I still sort of think that it's it's doable. Maybe 80 games is doable, something like that. The other other alternative that I sort of kicked around and thought about writing about, but since I didn't have much to go on, uh, I'll throw this out there and we can just we can uh, you know um, shoot at it if you want. But I was thinking it might be better to um, pull pull teams into like four sites or or so and or five sites and have a sort of college world series build up tournament instead of having uh, you know uh, a, a league kind of thing. You just Seed, seed teams in based on what they finished in 2019 into 
uh, four or five locations, put six teams at a location, and and play a knockdown tournament there, and then bring them into uh, one one or two parks to uh, to finish off and get a, get yourself some kind of uh, some kind of semblance of season. Because I I think that there's problem uh, getting players, and I think that the, the first of all I think the money thing is an issue, and secondly uh, I read that the players are already asking uh, Clark what happens if we refuse to report because because the covid thing what's going to happen then so if you're wanting you're going to have to have a 30-man roster or so anyway and um, your your ballparks aren't going to be making any money and you're going to be on a prorated salary but even that uh you know raise roughly 75 million dollars they'd have to pay out with nothing coming in virtually so you're you're putting ball teams uh, ball clubs particularly those like tampa uh, 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 who are operating on a shoestring and, and, and Pittsburgh and, you know, there's probably a couple others that, you know, really inhale sharply when they pay the bills every day. Those, those teams are in real danger of doing something we haven't seen for 70, 80 years. And that's, you know, go under or be forced into uh, the, the league managing them for a while. So uh, I think there's a lot of hurdles to overcome. And that, uh, you know, there's different ways of doing this. I'd like to see a season. But I don't want to see a season. And well, you know, we played 40 games here, but we can only play 30 over there. And I, it, it, I know there's a lot of chopping and changing that's going to have to be done. You know, have to make up. If Joe gets sick on the team, does that take the whole team off, or what happens then? There's just so many health, public safety, transportation, lodging, and and money things going on with this uh, that I'm not sure exactly. I'm not even sure if all the dominoes lined up, if you can get them to get them to work. I, I just think that there's every time you think you've got this kicked up, something else pops up and politics is going to be a big factor in this. Uh, common sense aside, politics is what's going to run this thing. And uh, I, again, I think it's going to be rough. I, I think they're going to try to do something because they have to, but I just don't know how successful they're going to be. Well, Alan, I was trying to be all optimistic uh, on this podcast here today, and uh, Fred, Fred dropped down some real, real facts and uh, made made some great points. And there is still a lot to to figure out. Um, understand that, but uh, what what do you think about where they they might play? Because I think that's what they need to figure out first. And I think again, Fred made some good points there. You got some states that just aren't going to be ready by July, just the way things are going. Um, how do you think all of that will play out, and where do you think they, they should try to play? I don't want to be the Debbie Downer either, but he didn't even hit all the points. <laughs> there, there, there's a lot more going on. We'll, we'll get to that in a bit, but uh, to, to address a question, let's, let's start off with the basics. If they were to start on July 1st and then run play through the end of October, say at least plan to do so, that's 124 days. With minimal numbers of days off, with double headers thrown in occasionally, that could probably get you somewhere in the neighborhood of 115 to 118 games, perhaps. At least that's that, that's sort of my swag at it. That's a reasonable season. That's getting close to three. That's two thirds to three quarters of, of a season. That that's enough to to get you going. We've had shorter seasons, so that's at least a sort of a quorum as far as that goes. So. In terms of the start date and and the plan, that's pretty good. In terms of the lay of the land, it's a reasonably conservative shot if they want to start doing that uh, July 1st because 
by that point, the country is going to be sick of staying at home and they're going to want to, uh, there are already been protests and, and such going on that, you know, people want to get back to business and, and stop um, hemorrhaging their own money. So the, the public at large is going to be driving this bus as much as anything. The, the thing that I'm concerned with is that if the hot spots that are still out there, California and New York, suddenly have another flare-up uh, of virus cases, then I think that the whole thing may be dead. And that's that's my biggest concern about this. Because if the public gets active or more active and starts doing business again and doesn't pay attention to safety protocols, then we're going to be right back in the same boat again. And that'll shut down baseball, football, you name it. Everything will, will be shut down again. And that's that's a big concern. That's not the only concern either. In addition to Fred's list, I don't know that the negotiations between the MLB and the Players Association are nearly done yet. There's a, a still a big hurdle to overcome. Fred mentioned the idea of what happens if players don't report. That one I have an answer for. The answer is you don't get your service time. If you refuse to, to, to show up, then there's no reason to get give you the service time that, that you expect and that had been negotiated out. You've got to at least make the attempt to, uh, to be able to get there. If you get over that hurdle, then the question is, okay, we're already prorating salaries, but now we have to take a cut on top of that because the revenues aren't going to be what the revenues were. Teams take in a whole bunch of money in terms of parking, concessions, merchandising, all that's down too. So just because you play two-thirds of a season, you really can't give them give the players two-thirds of a salary. It's going to have to be two-thirds minus some sort of a, a, a number that has to be agreed on and negotiated out. And that's going to be a very difficult sell on both parts first off the the players association because they don't want to give up anything more second second is from mlb because in order to come up with that number and to negotiate with they're going to have to open their books and say here's what we're making every game and they're going to have to say this is the percentage we're losing because we don't have fans in the stands that's something they have been reticent to do over, over the history uh, of of the game the only team that has come close to giving away their numbers is the Atlanta Braves. And that's because they have to, because they're corporate owned. So there's, there's a lot still going on here. There's a lot that can fall apart, but in terms of where they're going to play, I'm, I'm with Fred. I'm very concerned about California. Uh, you've got two LA teams, San Diego and, and San Francisco that are uh, at risk here. And while players may be at their own home, bases for half the time that may be okay and and relatively safe but you still come in contact with other people and between those places and the two new york teams you've got a real real issue on your hands because new york is a still pretty much a disaster there's a lot more that could go wrong about this that could go right optimism aside we'd like to see baseball back but uh, there's a lot of hurdles to overcome if i can jump in on the money thing here a bit in august of every year uh, the union gets a copy of the uh, annual financial filing from the teams that the team send to MLB. The union knows how, what the team spend. They, they, they can't release it, but the unions get a, a list of the team's 
in and out every year in August under the under the Constitution and the and the CBA, uh, because that's how they know how they know what these other numbers are for the for the uh, qualifying offers and the percentage of the players and all this thing. So it's, the union isn't completely in the dark. Now, it may not know everything, but it knows enough to know uh, what the ins and outs and the, and the gates are for the teams over the year. Carol, my wife said the other night, well, the, you know, uh, they, can, they, they can just do this. I said, well, yeah, but Clark, uh, the union has to understand that if they're the reason the game isn't played this year, it won't look good. No. Clark has got Clark is in the position where he lost. He had it handed to him in the CBA in 2016. Uh, and then Manfred rubbed his nose in it in 2017. So he goes out and hires this hunter killer negotiator to come in and make sure that doesn't happen. And he's all primed to jump on MLB's neck and stomp him here at the, come of the, new, the new CBA agreement. And then this happens. And now his rational mind says, we have to take a pay cut. We have to get on the field somehow. We have to do something to keep the game in front of the people. But his, his business mind says, I can't take another butt whipping like I took in 2016. And, and crossing that bridge, as Alan said, getting that across is, is the big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know they're talking now, and, and I really feel that both sides know something has to get done. But it, it's going to be a question of how far... If they don't go far enough, will the owners just say, we can't afford that, no season? Yeah, because who can weather the storm better, the the owners or the players? And the answer is going to be the owners. Right, because they don't have to pay anything. But And, and the, the other part of this is that the deep pocket teams, you know, players, teams like the Red Sox and the Yankees and, and the Cubs and the Dodgers, they're still bringing in money from, you know, from souvenir sales and things like that uh, in places that, that do that. But, uh, you know, the Rays aren't selling any souvenirs. I'm sorry. I, it's just that the way it is. You know, nobody, a few people outside of the country knows who they are. So you've got your international teams, international markets, and your, your, your big teams are going to come out of this damaged, but not nearly as damaged as your Pittsburghs and Tampas and, and, and places like that are going to come out of this. They're, they're going to be, it's going to be a long time before those teams are able to do anything reasonable again. And, and you know, I, I, without actually seeing the numbers, my, my feeling is that Tampa's really, really close to going, uh, going under, and the MLB's going to be pushing them a lot of money and low-interest loans from the, from, the, from the organization to keep from doing so. podcast here uh, don't get your hopes up don't get too excited but yeah i, I think i think you're you're both making great you know great points and even jeff Hassan, i saw on a interview he did um you know said there's still a lot of still a lot to to be decided and nothing's final obviously but uh, you know as far as where they play I, I always thought the arizona plan made a lot of sense um just because you have everybody in one location, but I think the players obviously pushed back on that. They want to be closer to home, and I think, you know, I think this is MLB trying to. It's 105 at night in Arizona, and if you're playing every all have a bunch of games outside as lost to one in the dome, you've got a problem. Yeah. So, but the idea of having everybody together, or even doing the three three team or three place uh, location or four, if you have to, I, I think it makes sense to try to keep all the players in the same 
same location. Um, but again, the players probably aren't going to want to do that. They, they've said they really don't want to rather not do that. They'd rather be closer to their family. So, you know, I think that's going to have to be negotiated and, and figured out. And then obviously the money stuff is just going to be uh, a, a big pain to try to just sort out and, and figure out what they're going to do with that. So, you know, like we've talked about, it's still a lot of hurdles to, to go through, but trying to bring it, some optimism back to it, I still think it's a good idea to at least go ahead and try and put a plan in place and, and pick some dates. Uh, that way you have something to, to shoot for. Fans have something to, to look forward to uh, and hopefully get, you know, excited about. Um, but, you know, like, like you said, Alan, there's a lot more that could go wrong that could go right in this situation. And, yeah. you know, one, one mishap, you know, one outbreak and, and everything could be pushed back or, or shut down completely. Uh, and that's why, you know, I'm interested to see what happens in the KBO. And I've kind of been watching some of those games um, here and there since it started on, on Tuesday. You know, I'm interested to see how things go over there, what they do once somebody does, you know, test positive or, or you know, hopefully it doesn't happen. But if it does, you know, what what are the plan they put in place? Will they just completely shut it down? Will they take a break um you know i i think mlb can sit back and kind of watch them uh, and i think there's another league uh, i think in china going on. yeah i want um going on as well so and i think they're actually talking about having putting fans back in the in the stadium so you know mlb has the luxury to sit back and kind of see how how they do it and how it plays out but yeah all, all the stuff you guys are talking about the you know behind the scenes kind of stuff and especially the money situation because money's going to drive a lot of this. It's going to be a, a lot to, to try to figure out and negotiate over the next, you know, month and a half or so uh, if they are going to try to return in July and, and they still have to get, you know, the okay from, from health officials and, uh, you know, Fred, you're talking about politics, you know, politics will play a part in this as well. Um, so still, still a lot to be, to be figured out. And Fred, I'll just shoot it back to you. Any follow-up or, or any other thoughts as, uh, on the restart? Well, the KBO thing, the KBO has rules out about what they're going to do. And what they're going to do is if a player gets sick, that doesn't they're going to uh, isolate that player, but they're not going to stop the rest of the, pe- the team uh, from playing games. They're just going to continue to monitor temperature and things like that, and they're going to test players. But they have a plan to go. The thing about this to remember is that uh, somebody wrote somewhere, oh, well, you know, Iceland's got so many, that percentage of their people tested. Yes, but Iceland's about 400,000 people. Korea's not got that many people in them. And, and it, it's, um, and they're very, uh, they're very strictly controlled. Uh, even, even though it is a democracy in a free country and they can do what they want, the, the government does have controls and rules on these things. So they can control a lot of things. So it's, it, it's really you're talking apples and oranges. If you want to, it would be the, the only thing that would be close to getting this the same would be to say that the British were going to spin up the first division of their football league or the German were going to fill a, a spin up the Bundesliga and start playing soccer. Uh, that would be a parallel because you then have the same kind of crowds and the same kind of amount of people trying to get in to see the games. But it, it's, you know, comparing uh, comparing Korea or Taiwan's games to ours, uh, yeah, there's it's baseball, and uh, the, the rules are sort of good, and we'll see if that works. But when you multiply that rules over a larger sample size, you have a problem. And uh, there's so many people that look at, are looking at raw numbers of, of cases now, 
for example, uh, I heard the news that you know Texas is having a spike in cases. Well, that's not really true. The number, the raw number is going up, but the percentage is going down sharply. And the reason the number is going up is they're testing enormous amounts of people that weren't tested before. So the sample size is getting bigger. The raw number looks bigger, but it's actually not a huge spike in, in terms of percentage. Well, if you have a spike in Korea that's uh, a good size, and then it, it replicates itself in some place like Florida or uh, Illinois or where they're still having trouble or, or even here, that's a problem. Because, you know, a 10% spike is, is awful, but if, here if it's a tenth of a percent spike, it's not a big deal. So I think there's, I think there's things to do on that. I'm optimistic they will do something because I think um, uh, government wants something done at all levels. And people want something, as Alan said, the people want something done. And uh, sports is important uh, in terms of, uh, Bill Shankly said, uh, sports isn't life and death. It's more important than that. And the reason it's more important than that is it brings people together and it gives them something other than their, oh my gosh, what's going on life to think about for two or three hours a day. It takes them out of the problem and, and lifts things off of their mind and off the shoulders and gives them something to have in common. And that's why people want to bring sports back. That's why it's important to have any kind of and all kind of sports back. So I think there's going to be a concerted effort to get them back, uh, how it's going to work. I'm just uh, I just don't know right now. Yeah. A- amen. Uh, Alan, any other uh, any other thoughts or anything else you wanted to add? The agreement appears to be in place for changes to the draft. Now it's going to be five rounds starting June 10th. Everybody who's drafted is going to get 10% of their signing bonuses and the rest and I think there's a cap on on even what that number is, maybe 100 grand or something like that. And the rest is going to be deferred for the next 2 years. Uh, there's a lot of people characterizing that as a money grab by the MLB teams. That's not really true because the players are going to get their money eventually. The trick really is that uh, the the players from rounds that normally would be drafted between round six and 40 are really getting shafted. And it's, it's not their fault. It's really, frankly, not MLB's fault because this is a way they can think they can save some money. But uh, what I would like to see the Braves do in particular is go out and scour the country for all these guys that they would have drafted in, in those rounds and try and see if they can convince them to sign for 20000 bucks, which is going to be the cap. That's going to be a hard sell, no doubt, because some of these kids were expecting a number closer to $125,000, which was the old cap. So a lot of them may end up going to college instead, which is going to be difficult for reasons I'll get to in a minute. Now, $20,000 per kid still adds up a lot over time. But overall, it's really not that significant. If you even get one guy out of, out of a hundred that you might sign at $20,000 to pay off big, then that's a huge thing for the Braves. And really, they need to do it for their farm system to, to get it back going. There was a survey, uh, really article by Baseball America recently where they talked about 13 guys who could be breakout candidates in, in the minors in the next year or two. None of them were Braves. 
that's the first time that's happened in years. And of course we know why, uh, there've been a lot of graduations. There's been a lot of penalties. Uh, Atlanta needs to take advantage of this bad situation and go out and spend that money to get it going. I don't know that that's going to work for all teams in all places. And it's unfortunate for the kids being drafted. You're going to see a lot of, uh, high school kids that may end up passing on getting drafted or passing on signing because they're not getting that big payday and because they do have some leverage and their leverage is to go to college. The real trick is that each college team has 11.7 scholarships that are available to players. Don't ask me where they came up with 11.7, but that's the number. They can spread it among 27 players out of a 35-man roster. That's going to create a glut and there's going to be a lot of kids that are going to be told sorry we don't have room for you this year and that's unfortunate as well i don't know how this is all going to uh, pan out but there's going to be fallout at every level uh, all the way from major leagues to high school kids in podunk iowa who just can't get a job somewhere because they were going to get drafted now they may not be but uh, at least we might be able to see i hope the Braves fan out around the country and get some of these guys so they can give them some jobs and, and refill the farm system. It's a lot in that, but that's what I'm thinking right now in terms of unspoken victims like, like the draftees. Yeah. And that's a great point. And, you know, I obviously follow college baseball a lot and I know um, they've told seniors that they could come back and have another year of eligibility, which complicates things even more. Cause then I don't know how they handle, you know, the scholarships of, you know, with well, they haven't the given, coming in for scholarships. So senior scholarships don't, they get another year of eligibility and they don't count against the team, but they haven't given them any more scholarships to actually get out there. And you can only play so many scholarship guys. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, so that's what, you know, the point I was trying to make there is I, I don't know what the, what they're going to do, you know, with those players coming back and the influx of high school players coming in. Cause like Alan's saying, I think a lot of high school players are, you know, going to spurn going to the draft right now and just you know go the college route but then that floods the the college system so uh, i think it's going to have a huge effect on on the the college ranks um for maybe for a couple of years um so uh, i'm glad you brought that up alan i'm glad you brought up the draft uh, fred do you have any more you wanted to add on, on that well the, the people the top end of the draft are going to get their get 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 picked the the, the best of the best are going to get picked the people in the middle, as Alan said, they're the ones that are, that are up a creek without a paddle because they can try to go to college, uh, but if the college doesn't have any scholarships for them and doesn't have any room for them, uh, and, and the money to give the scholarships isn't out there because the colleges are losing money too. And if the sco- money for the scholarships isn't out there and they can't give them out there, then uh, do they go to JUCO? Uh, do they play two years at junior college and hope that, that the situation gets better in two years, which I'm not sure it will? Uh the, the people below the the top of the draft are going to get picked, and the people who see we're going to be senior signs and don't ain't, aren't going to go back, and they're you're going to take their twenty thousand and take a shot. The people in the middle have a really hard decision. Alan hit that exactly right. They don't know they don't know what they're going to do, and there's nobody that can give them really good advice because nobody knows what's going to happen with this. Uh, and I'm not sure the Braves have the money to go out and do all that. I mean, even if they want to do it, are we going to have enough minor league teams to put these players on? 
because yes. the minor league may, may we may be short teams next year because they the money situation in the minor leagues is is in real bad shape. Teams are going under now as we speak. So uh, it's a question of okay, you sign these people, where are you going to play them? Another good point. Yep. Yeah. And they're already cutting teams anyway, right? So yep. minor league teams. So well, they were talking about it, but it's it's being forced on the minor leagues now because they can't stay around and wait. Yep. So another good point. Something else bad coming out of all of this. Yeah, and obviously, you know, we're talking about all this and you always have to preface it and say we understand there's more important and serious matters going on. But, um, you know, obviously a a lot of trickle down from that, you know, happening in the sports realm with, um, you know, guys that have, you know, played their whole lives and their career um, to get to this point. And and now, as Alan talked about, they're going to be the ones that are suffering you know, from this. So, uh, good points. Uh, glad you brought that up. Any, anything else either you wanted to mention before we get out of here? I hope it gets back, but you, the idea of returning to normal is just probably a pipe dream for quite a while. I don't know if it's going to be one year, two years or more, but, uh, yeah, there, there's going to be ramifications that, uh, last quite a while. And that's not just baseball. It's, it's life in general. And yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see. The, the postseason uh, for the off season for the free agents is not going to Mookie Betts is not going to get his $300 million. He's just not, mm. he's just not yeah. because nobody can afford to give it to him because everybody is losing a lot of money a lot of money now, and they're not going to make as much money next year because this is, as Alan said, the new normal is not the old normal. And and people are going to hesitate to go to ballparks. They're going to hesitate to go to games. Television revenues are going to be down uh, in, in many cases because just simply they're not making money either. I know that right now they, they're doing a lot of stuff for free, but everybody's taking it like that. The economy's bad. You have bunch of people unemployed who may not have jobs to go back to so the idea that okay well you know the Yankees are just going to hand out a 30 million dollar contract I don't think that's going to happen I don't think any of these contracts are going to be as big as uh, as big as we were saying if you'd asked me last year I would have said Mookie's going to get his 300 million now I don't know that he gets to 225 I don't know how much he gets and and that there's a ripple effect with that because that pushes that knocks everybody else's contract down and also knocks down uh, qualifying offers and all kinds of other things that don't mean anything to people outside the game. But if you're a player like Betts or or any of these free agents coming up, Andrelton Simmons is going to be a free agent, best shortstop in the game, looking for some payday, probably not going to get a big payday. Uh, and th- th- these these guys who've been, like Alan said, focused on doing it this way, and they have the road paved and the doors open, and somebody just dropped a gate in front of it. And I don't mm-hmm. know how or when we get back of it. I've heard four and five and six years before teams will be able to do what they were doing in two, uh, 2019. That's a hard, hard road to hoe for those those kids that were looking out there who were just going to take their money and, and, and be set for life. You know, Fred, one thing I almost mentioned and, and neglected to was about the trade deadline, assuming that we actually have a normal trade deadline this year, that some of these teams that you've mentioned that uh, we're operating on a shoestring anyway, 
nobody's going to be buying trade bait guys at the deadline. They're not going to have the extra money to go out and, and spend those salaries. So yeah, it's, it's going to be happening at multiple levels the off season to come the trade deadline future uh, considerations. Yeah. It's, it's all wrapped up in the same kind of thing and it's, it's about money and it's just not there right now. And now that we've ruined everybody's night. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll leave it on that uh, non-positive note, but uh, no, I do enjoy the, the discussion. It's a good discussion that needed to have. And I think uh, it's good for our listeners as well. Um, you know, obviously we're optimistic. We want to see baseball back, uh, but you know, it's, keep those those expectations tempered because there's still a lot that has to be decided and even once that decided there's still a lot of going to be a lot of fallout from this that's going to have effects you know like we talked about one two maybe even three years down the road from now so uh definitely unusual unusual times that you know we're going through right now well, Jake, you see, that's what you get when you have two guys on the line here that are the old get off my lawn kind of codger here. <laughs> yep. But it's, it's no, good. please get on my lawn. It needs mowed. I'll... <laughs> yeah. yeah. I sent my son out this mor- this evening for fertilizer, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, yard work is, uh, has been the, the main thing getting done around here, or trying to get done anyway. It's about all we can do while we're, we're stuck at the house. So uh, my wife's been trying to get me out there to – to do some extra yard work. Um, so I know um, you said trying, <laughs> right, right. Exactly. That was the key word there. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this, but yeah, I do appreciate you guys getting on and, uh, discussing this. We haven't gotten together in a while, so I think it was good and hopefully we'll have some more news so we can get back together again. But, you know, obviously didn't want to get on here and just talk about nothing. And that's pretty much what we've had for a month and a half now. Um, so hopefully we'll start to get some, some more news and hopefully some, some Braves news, um, as well. But uh, until then, everybody uh, stay safe, follow the, the health uh, guidelines. And uh, like I say, hopefully we'll get back to, to some sort of normal and get some baseball back pretty soon. But uh, make sure you continue to follow us on TomahawkTake.com. We uh, are continuing to put out articles uh, daily. Uh, so appreciate you checking those out and, and reading them and giving them a comment. Uh, and also make sure that you follow this podcast uh, where we're trying to get some interviews and other stuff going on during this time. But until then, I'll talk to you next time. This 2020 Reality Sucks edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast is a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC. Opinions expressed on the show today, however downers they were, are strictly those of the participants, all rights reserved. Music used today comes to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0 and features selections by Kevin McLeod entitled Groundwork, Five Card Shuffle, and Amazing Plan. His works are featured at filmmusic.io and via his own website at incompetech.com. Thanks for listening, and let's hope that our versions of Waldorf and Statler are just plain wrong. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.